Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. Well, I'm glad you're here as I'm kicking off a new series. I'm Ben, I'm the lead pastor, and we, the series is called Made for Mondays. We are looking at that part of our life that takes place outside of here. Now, some of you are retired and the rest of us are jealous, uh, but we're really looking at anything we do, that, that productive part of our life, uh, Monday through Friday, whether it's school, taking care of kids at home, but especially the workplace. How many of you have ever worked at a place that you didn't like? Okay, about 100% every service. Uh, and how many of you have ever had a boss you didn't like? That's great, about 100%, even my staff, that's great. The, uh, <laughs> so, uh, it, but these are some inter- these are true uh, scenarios that people talked about their boss uh, that came up. Uh, someone wrote in this, my boss m- uh, made anyone late to a meeting stand in the corner for the entire time. Yeah, true. And this is my old boss would walk around with a small baseball bat and a huge switchblade. He kept pictures of employees that he terminated pinned up in his office. That man has some anger issues, I just got to tell you. Here's another one. Years ago, I worked at a small staffing company. The owner was a grouchy dinosaur. He caught the office manager chewing gum and made her wear it on the nose for the rest of the day. Yeah, and then finally this one, a guy at my old company used to make his employees ask before they could use the restroom, and he would time them. If they were gone longer than five minutes, he would add up the time at the end of the week and make them use vacation time. Here's the good news. Some of you came in and you felt bad about your job. Now you're feeling better already, see? (laughs) Who says this uh, message didn't work? So here's what I'm going to do. Like I said, I'm going to do a bit of an introduction today. We're going to look at issues that we have, finding our purpose, finding our fit, finding uh, what it means to have a, a balance between our work and our life. Look at how we handle conflict. And today we're looking at what I'm calling 360 success. Success in our life is we don't have a church life and a home life and a work life. You know what we have? We have a life. And God has called us to take that life, to honor him, and to find some success along the way. Every once in a while, I know, oh, you know, success, is it ungodly to talk about success? No, it's not. In fact, we find again and again in the scripture, literally dozens, if not a hundred scriptures that talk about doing well, but doing the right things in the right way. It was God's idea in the first place. I'm I'm using a verse. I I really don't use paraphrases much uh, as we look at the Bible. I usually look at one of the more literal translations, but I really like this one. So I'm going to, for the theme verse for this, uh, Romans 12 one, I I love how uh, Eugene Peterson really uh, put this in modern day language. He says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering, embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. See, 
it's really important to me as a pastor that uh, we would go out and we would say, say, God, what do you have for me, not just in this moment, but beyond this moment? And here's the deal. Usually when a, a pastor talks about uh, work, and uh, well, one, you think it's weird because I only work like an hour a week anyway. The, uh, <laughs> but the, uh, the, they also, it's like, okay, go out your workplace. And the only reason you have a job is to tell people about Jesus. So go out and, you know, you stand on the lunch table and say, attention everyone, and tell them about Jesus. That is an amazing way to eat alone for the rest of your life. That's what that is. It's an absolutely ineffective way at making a difference. See, sometimes I think uh, in Christian community, we're addicted to making a point, but not to making a difference. Uh, and it's not just Christian community. Just read Facebook during this election cycle, you know? And a lot of people making a point, and you say, but I like to post things on Facebook. Stop. <laughs> Stop. Just say no. <laughs> uh, but because really, making a point doesn't change anything. But making a difference, it takes wisdom to make a difference. We're going to look at uh, Joseph. Uh, uh, if you're familiar with the Bible, you know his story because it takes up about a third, well, 13 chapters at least, of the book of Genesis. Now, I'm not going to read all 13 chapters today because I want you to come back next week. And so what I'm going to do is do a little bit of an overview, specifically with only one thing in mind, and that's the work life of Joseph. Now, of course, it was different. It was the ancient world. And we're, we're told this, that Joseph's life starts out, he's a uh, teenager. He has all these dreams and really a God-given dream for his future. It says, Joseph had, his, had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. So he has a great idea and aspirations. Have you ever had anyone else uh, sort of kill your aspirations? And we let people do that. Well, literally, his brothers tried to kill him. Uh, so it, it went from bad to worse. They say, come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and let's not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our own brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agree. So what they do is they sell him into slavery. This is not a good, good thing that's happening here. And it would be easy for Joseph to just have a pity party, say, okay, you know, this is unfair. God's not showing up. But instead... Uh, this is what we read about where he served. The Lord was with Joseph, and so he prospered and lived in the house of his Egyptian master. He was in a bad place, in a bad situation, yet he found some success in it. And, and then uh, things went from bad to worse. There was uh, uh, the, uh, the man who, who ruled the house, his wife, sort of had other ideas for Joseph. Uh, she's, uh, she makes a pass at him, he rejects, and then she accuses him of doing something wrong and he ends up in jail. Again, so unfair. But then we read what happened uh, next in the jail. So the warden put George, uh, Joseph in charge of all those in prison. And he was made responsible for all that was done there. So again, you notice this pattern. He's in another bad place. He's in a worse place. Yet, he keeps on succeeding in difficult circumstances. Well, then he gets the opportunity to serve before the ruler of Egypt, at the time probably the most powerful nation in the entire world. And 
we uh, see this. It said, so Pharaoh said to Joseph, I put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. See, Joseph had used his skills, his God-given ability, uh, and also there was miraculous intervention involved as well. There was uh, going to be a famine in the land, and God uh, forewarned Joseph of that. Actually, Pharaoh as well. He just couldn't understand it. And normally in the ancient world, when there was a famine, people just died. I mean, there was no plan. You just died. People didn't store food. They didn't. And Joseph said, hey, there's a way for this not to destroy us. And so Joseph gets promoted again. I just want you to notice the pattern there again and again. Is that a situation, and, and he seems to succeed, whether it's in prison or serving someone in, uh, in their household and that kind of servitude or, or being a ruler. There's something about Joseph, and it's not just his workability. It's about who he was in all aspects of his life. In fact, uh, in, in Joseph's story, the last chapter in the book of uh, Genesis, one of the last chapters, uh, we read this. He gets his brothers, and uh, they had been suffering from the famine, the brothers who sold him into slavery. And this would be payback time. This would be it. And, and so there, he's the ruler they need something from him. And here's what he says. You intended to harm me, but God intended it to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. He could see God working in those difficult times. And I think one of the things that God might want to do in you and in me is, uh, especially if you're in a job, I know many of you have jobs you love, but many it's just there's, there's something there that you would see God working not only through you, but in you. And so here's what I want to do. Uh, I want us to look at our work and define the win. Uh, now, now, the wins, I would say. Because it's not just financial. It's not just how we show up with our faith. There's lots of wins that the Bible talks about uh, in the workplace. And uh, I know... Uh, we read this in Psalm 90, verse 17. It says, May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us, establish the work of our hands for us. So what are the ways to, the ways to win at work? The first way is we need to embrace your real workplace. You know what I mean? Not that next workplace. Not the next boss who's kind and, uh, and you know, says, just take the day off. I'm going to give you another raise just because, <laughs> you know. You know, that, bot, that mythical thing that we've been hoping for. Uh, but the workplace that we're in right now. In Ecclesiastes uh, 9. Now, this is, again, there's some funny verses in the Bible. If you really read this, uh, it says, uh, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. And you say, okay, that's great. That sounds like a good thing. Uh, but then it says this. Uh, for, well, I'm losing my place. Uh, for in the realm of the dead where you're going, there's neither working nor planning nor knowledge nor wisdom. So isn't that great? Work hard now because you're going to be dead. <laughs> the end. That's all I got for you. Hope you guys have a good day at work. Sermon's over. No, uh, uh, what, he, what he's saying there is not so you're depressed. It's saying, God has given you this one moment, this one life right now, and would you use it for him? See, the issue is often not what job I'm bringing myself to, but what self I'm bringing to the job. Am I bringing my best self to that job? 
And we find that especially when the circumstances are difficult. Well, the second aspect uh, of this way to win at work, and this is a way we normally think of, is we're supposed to crush it at work. We're supposed to do, that's a theological term if you didn't know that. Uh, it says, whatever you do, work, with, uh, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. God loves work well done. In fact, uh, for those of you who've studied other religions and worldviews, uh, many of them, look at the ancient Greeks and Romans, they saw work as a curse that only lowly humans would do while the gods party. There are other uh, religions and worldviews that see the, the temporal world as not mattering. By the way, have you ever wondered why most work, relief work around the world, and, and this is just a fact, is if you can take all the other faiths combined, but it's done by Christians more than all the others. Why is it Christians who do that work? Because there's this theological understanding that every person matters. And their human needs, it's not just about the next life, it's about this life as well. That's why we have uh, our orphanage in Haiti and our transitional housing for homeless women and kids. It, we, we care, knowing Jesus is the most important thing, but we care about this life as well. See, God loves work well done. God loves it when uh, there's a courtroom and there's justice. God loves it. God loves well-designed apps. Do you know that? God loves well-run meetings. He does. Have you ever been in a poorly run meeting? Now, if that is not a sign of hell, I don't know what is. Uh, at least purgatory for you Catholics. Uh, yeah, so the, so the uh, yeah, but a well-run, because it's life-giving, right? Uh, you know, you say, oh, my job, what can, uh, what can it matter? It could, you know, I, I sell insurance. What, what, is, what is that about? Hey, have you ever, I've done the funeral of people with life insurance and without life insurance. Can I tell you how much life insurance matters? When I see people looking at desperation for the rest of their life and them knowing that they're going to have some financial security moving forward. Say, so what do I, you know, I uh, work, I, I design or work with data centers. What is that going to matter? Just so Google can get that much more information on the rest of us? No. Think about people, especially in the developing world, and they don't have access to the education and the stored knowledge, especially medical research, that that the medical care that's been given around the world is, is changed exponentially because of the access to knowledge to where there can be proper health care to tens, if not hundreds of millions of people who had no chance before. So, so is that data sent? Yeah, that's sort of important. See, there's, there's this, are there some, yeah, there are some jobs uh, that probably are not as helpful. But most of what we do, we can see some purpose in it. But part of what God's called us to do is to do well no matter what the circumstance. Joseph had a bunch of different jobs and he decided he was going to crush it. You say, what if I'm not doing well? Here's the secret. I, I believe, especially as a Christian, you should be the best learner at your job. Ever work with a know-it-all? Yeah, it's hard. And uh, I know some, it's hard to be a know-it-all. You know, some of us are blessed with amazing knowledge. And, uh, but I can tell you if you're a know-it-all, I can tell you this, you're going to be frustrated by why that other person got the job. And I can tell you why. 
because it's because of that attitude that will keep you from your success. I don't say that to be mean. This could be maybe the most helpful thing I could ever say to you in your career. Be a learner and you'll end up a leader. Uh, So after college, uh, I may have mentioned this before, I went to college at the University of Washington, which beat the Oregon Ducks 70 to 21 uh, yesterday. And uh, (laughs) so I I went there, God was good, got a scholarship, went through without any debt, wanted to go to graduate school for theology. It was called seminary, three years, sort of expensive. Only thing that stood in my way was I was broke, didn't have any money, so I needed to get a job. My dad had owned a car dealership. My whole family bleeds motor oil. And so I uh, uh, thought, okay, we'll do, do something like that. And I went at a dealership. Now, University Audi over in Seattle now is what they used to have, like a bunch of lines, Porsche, Audi, Volkswagen, Subaru, all that. And uh, I said, you know what? Uh, that's what I'll do. I'll, I'll try that out. So got the job, did pretty well the first couple months, then didn't go as well. Uh, family, great family that owned that dealership, just wonderful, uh, integrous people. And they sent me to sales training with this other guy. Cost him thousands of dollars. And, and I thought, uh, when I was there, I said this to the other guy. I said, this is awesome. They're spending all this money training us. He looks at me and he says, you realize this was not a compliment. We are the two worst salesmen in the whole dealership. <laughs> so it's true. We were. We, this is a chance for me to save my job. They were just nice people. And uh, so I'm like, okay. Isn't it hard to admit when you fail? Isn't it hard to admit when you fail? Isn't it, I'm going to be a learner. And, and I say this, and just, you know, was, a lot of it was God and all of that. But I became the top salesman by like two and a half times more than anyone else. And then ended up as a manager over the Audi Volkswagen area. Just a very short period of time. And, and, and I say this. To know, for you to know, hey, just because you didn't have success in that last season, it doesn't have to determine the next season. You know, it could be that snot-nosed kid who I was, who was that sort of didn't do very well, and now I'm like their boss. And it's that humility to say, okay, what do I need to learn to do differently? That can happen in the job, in the company you're in. Now, there may be a boss and there may be problems, but I'll tell you what, it may not be your boss. It could be you and you just need to show up differently and say, what am I going to learn? How am I going to operate differently? And maybe you're going to leave the company you're at, and that's okay, but it's for that next one. Say, okay, how can I present myself differently going forward? See, it's so important, especially if you're a Christ follower, that we show up, because our success is not just about us. Our success is so much more. If you're here and you're not a Christian, you know the easy thing is, it's just about you. But if you're a Christ follower, there's a claim on your life that's way bigger. And there's a lot depending on that. So one of the things we're going to do, which is going to be fun, uh, during the uh, few weeks of this series, is we're going to hear stories of people. You know, I get to talk to people who are chefs and architects and software engineers and, and run different uh, sort of companies and have different kind of jobs and just sort of hear their story. And uh, Chris, who was at our last service, uh, he's going to share his story of uh, sort of that 360 success. I did an interview with him uh, this last week. Take a look at this. So I'm here with Chris Heeslup, who, uh, well, well, Chris, uh, you're a young entrepreneur. In fact, uh, 
it was through your young kids that you ended up uh, starting coming to Timberlake, isn't that right? Absolutely. So my son joined Timberlake Preschool and, you know, just the quality of the, the care, the teachers that we met was just truly world-class. The excellence that we experienced in Timberlake Preschool was amazing. And so we started looking and going, wow, this is a really great church for us. Yeah, so you and then you tried out the church. And yeah, the pastor wasn't too weird. He decided to keep on coming. <laughs> so that good. wasn't that long uh, after uh, you had come here to the U.S. That's right. Yeah. So we moved here in late late 2013. Tell us what you do. I've been reading up on uh, Push Pay, but uh, I mean it's uh, one of the what they call it a hyper growth company. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know if you've even uh, read some of the articles. And uh, but why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey with that. Yeah, so my background, I was, I was an accountant, just a regular old CPA. I, I ran my own CPA firm, worked for KPMG previously. And, uh, you know, I'd done a number of different startups and, you know, kind of business ideas over the last, you know, kind of 10 years. You know, Pushpay is probably number 15. Uh, you know, I was in uh, university and I was studying to be accountant and I kind of had this crisis of, you know, kind of, uh, employment, I was like, God, you know what? I don't think you want me to be an accountant. You know, what, what good can an accountant do? You know, what if I quit and become a pastor because I really want to serve you? And pastors do a lot more good in the world than accountants. So, I actually, um, you know, started praying and I said, God, if you, you know, really want me to be an accountant, you need to show me because I'm just really, I'm not, not sure about it. And so, after praying about it, I met this guy at a, at a youth event who ran this Christian uh, record label. And I went to his office one day, and he had this stack of unopened letters from the IRS this big on his on his desk. And I was like, "This guy needs some help." <laughs> <laughs> so that's when you knew that being uh, serving God, you could be an accountant. That's right. So I kind of had this real moment of wow, like actually God can use us in you know in working in our jobs, and you don't have to be in ministry to be you know having an impact and changing people's lives. You can do it through just regular, you know regular work you know and I think I think that's what God calls us to is you know actually to to reach people where we're at not necessarily to kind of be a full-time minister and so we kind of have this dichotomy of ministry and business together and you know what I like to say is ministry is you know well, ministry is what we do but business is how we do it December 13 was when we uh, fully moved to Seattle and, and made this home so December 13 around so how many people with uh, your company well, at that time it was just one, and then okay, we got so you the first one employee, one employee in 2014. Yep. And, and how many do you have uh, today, all total, including around the world? Pushbay has about 300 staff. You know, the majority of them based here in Redmond and in the U.S. Yeah. I think last time we talked, not too uh, too long ago, you said you had about 4,000 clients, and you just told me now you have 5,300. Mm -hmm. That's right. And 800 new. In the last month. That's right. Uh, what is it like for you now? Because part of it, there's a ministry aspect, but part of it is you have a company and you have 300 employees. Yes. So, uh, just what's that like for you? Well, I mean, I think to go from zero to you know over 5,000 churches and you know zero to 300 staff and effectively two and a bit years is you know is a heck of a journey to to experience. You know, it feels like having a rocket pack strapped to your back. So, you know, for me, you know, the pressure and the, the work that we do helps, helps me, I feel like it helps me become a better person uh, and a better follower of Christ because you learn so much about yourself when you're under that pressure 
that you wouldn't learn if you just had an easy job, you know, working 10 to 4. Because you're in this uh, growing company, uh, what are some of the things you're making sure you do? Because I'm sure you can get caught up in the moment to keep your balance with uh, your walk with Christ, your family, and then at the same time you're trying to build a company. One thing that you know I struggle with, and I think everyone struggles with, is the fact that there's simply just more stuff to do than there is time available. And so you have to be okay with the fact that there's always going to be stuff that gets left undone at the end of the day. Um, and that means that you can prioritize your time reading your Bible, praying, you know, seeking God for you know, your life and your family and your business. Um, you know, of course, that's priority number one, and that's, you know, you can't compromise on that. How do you feel uh, as, as people who would say, hey, I'm a Christ follower, how should we show up to work? We have to know that God loves you irrespective of who you are and how good you are. But you also have to work really, really, really hard to be world class at what you do. You know, being average doesn't serve God. It doesn't serve, you know, doesn't serve anyone, right? But somehow we think that we can be average because God loves us. Well, God loves you, but he needs you to be excellent at what you're doing. And Proverbs says that your gift will make way for you to stand before kings. So the world doesn't look at, you know, the Bible says, you know, man looks at the outward appearance. We're trying to say, well, that shouldn't be like that. But that's how it is. We, yeah. we can't try and change the way that it is because it is like that. You know, we should try and say, if people are looking at excellence and judging us by how excellent we are, then we should aim to be the most excellent that they, that they possibly could be. I think what we choose to do is we want to honor God through, through the product we build and the way that we treat people. It's great that we've uh, been able to... Uh... Uh, to talk and just know that uh, I'm praying for you as, as you uh, move forward and I hope uh, you'll do the same. Thanks for uh, joining us today. Thanks, Pastor B. Yeah, you can give him a hand. He was at last service, but he can still hear you. The, uh, <laughs> hey, we, uh, you know, I, I love Chris's story because uh, it, what you may have missed in there was, oh yeah, and had like 13 tries before this one, but wouldn't it have been so easy to give up? Now, obviously, he's a smart guy. He'd had some success before that. And I just think that so many of us give up on the, when it comes to our work life and knowing that God wants to meet you there or there. It doesn't mean you're going to be a millionaire and make a lot of money, but just to do our very best with what he's given us. And then, of course, you know, another way we win at work is to earn money. That is important, to earn income. Uh, any of you love to be broke? No? Just me? No? Okay. No, we don't, we don't like to be broke. And God has provided a way uh, for that. It is called a job, and uh, uh, jobs are helpful with that. Uh, in that, it's so important that we understand that it's not just about us. Ephesians 4.28, another verse that I just find sort of interesting. It says, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. Now, this is written to people in church. Literally, this is written to Christians. Okay, I know some of you steal. Will you please stop stealing? Uh, yeah, ushers watch these people during the offering. Okay. Uh, but must work and do something useful with their hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Okay. So yeah, you're supposed to do, provide for your family. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's more than that. 
God wants going to use your financial resources for people who don't have them or for his ministry work. You know, uh, the people have asked questions about our orphanage in, in Haiti. And this has been a big, not just there, we've done around the world. We do just some pretty great work that God's allowed us to do. And uh, we, we really got it down to one special offering a year. And now we really don't even do that. It's just through your regular giving. So when you do that, it makes a difference. That's how we were able to send thousands of dollars. We didn't have to wait. We didn't have to wait till Sunday because you knew, we knew you'd already do it and be faithful. And so you really want to change the world for people? We're good at our jobs. And we say, God, these resources, they're not just for me alone. It's so people can know you. People who have needs can get those needs met. And a lot of this is just add value to people, number four. And this is, see, we want to add value to a company that's called profit, but adding value to people, that is really so, so significant. In fact, you know, you read in, as I said, on social media, all the things that are going on in the world, and maybe you're, you have a heart for people who maybe because of where they were born or their, you know, age or ethnicity or race or whatever the issue is, you say, oh, man, I, I wish someone had more advantages. Maybe it's you that's called to give. Maybe you're the one who's called to coach someone to help them along. You look at everyone who's succeeded in anything. It's because someone has invested in them. You want to make a real difference? It's not the next Facebook post. It's saying, I'm going to invest in the life of someone who maybe they need that help. It says, two are better than one, for there's a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls down and has no one to help them up. And then part of this is to move the culture needle. Uh, and and this, is, this is often misunderstood. You take a church like Timberlake. We take the Bible pretty seriously. And so usually in churches that are, you know, where that's a big focus, you'll hear, okay, move the culture needle. So go to work and tell everyone else what they're doing wrong and, you know, you're sleeping with so-and-so and you shouldn't be doing that. And you're lying and you shouldn't be doing that. Again, I'm not sure if that'll make a difference. But how about if we start with our own behavior and we say, you know, I want to be as integrous as I can. Uh, where I've maybe made a mistake, maybe you abused uh, drugs or alcohol or, or uh, God's plan for sexuality. And instead of saying, you know, I'm going to follow God. And then when people ask, just say, you know what, I blew it. But I have a God. The great thing is, I believe God. I went to God and asked for forgiveness. And I believe I have a God who forgives me. And, and see, when we start with our own behavior, instead of condemning everyone else, it's way, it's way more fun to point out what other people are doing wrong, right? You know? Some of us, that's why we had children. No. <laughs> yeah. But... Uh, but what if we say, not out of shame or, or guilt, but out of, God, I want to honor you. And just because I didn't honor you yesterday, it doesn't mean I can't honor you today. And it's not going to be through my power, but through, through you. And then you want to change culture in a company? Show gratitude. You have a bad workplace. Gratitude will ruin the atmosphere of a negative workplace. Yeah, because it'll, it'll, it'll make people, people tend to do better when they're grateful. It says, give thanks in all circumstance, for this is God's will in Christ Jesus. If you start showing gratitude, I mean, there's something to be, if you're working, you have a job, be grateful for that. 
You know, we show that gratitude and that changes the culture of a company. And, uh, and forgiveness as well. It says, for do not repay evil for evil, but be careful to do what is uh, right in the eyes of everyone. See, when you, when you do that, you're, you're doing something that's counterintuitive. When someone hurts you, just like Joseph, he had the opportunity to get his brothers back. And he said he didn't want to pay them back. He wanted to bring them back to God and into relationship with himself. And when we do this, we represent Jesus well. This is a big win. Now, as I said, most pastors start here. I wanted to end here. See, I know some of us really, if we're going to be honest, we're a little bit of Monday morning atheists. Is, you know, hey, praise you, Jesus, today, game on, tomorrow. <laughs> and uh, I, I get that. But what if we include God in our life? You remember how uh, they have, as they still have this, you know, bring your kid to work day? Yeah, they only have that once a year, which is a very good thing. And uh, what if you brought God to work? What if you said, hey, this is bring God to work today? And what that means is Colossians 3.17, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. God is going to give you opportunities every day. Again, that's not, uh, you know, being weird, you know, hey, is at a meeting someone says, is that chair saved? And you go, no, but I am, and you can be too. You know, don't do that. If you do that, just tell them you go to another church. Will you do that for me? Uh, I love you. Come back here, but just tell them you go to another church. Uh, but how about this? How about a different way of doing this? How about when uh, someone comes to you with a problem, we say, you know, I don't want to be weird, but would you mind if I... If, if I prayed for you, like, I, you know, I'm not going to pray with you now unless you want me to, but just when I'm home, I, I, can I pray for you? 90% of, 90% of people who are atheists and agnostic will say, yeah, just, they might think it's weird. But that just, it'll change people's hearts towards God, but it'll also change the, the atmosphere of your workplace. Maybe someone says, hey, I'm struggling in my marriage, and, and you could say, you know, Hey, uh, I go to church as this re-engaged thing. You don't even need to be a Christian to go to it. It's just helping people in their marriages. And, and uh, if you want that, or get your Christian and non-Christian friends together. Don't try to orchestrate any, you know, okay, that's the one. He doesn't know God. Let's all get him. <laughs> uh, no one wants to be a project. Everybody wants to be loved. And just see what happens when you allow God to show up in that. And here's my final thought, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually do a message on this, is don't put all your eggs in the work basket. Now, I was talking primarily today for those of us who maybe uh, are looking to go to the next level in our job or, or have struggled, but there are some of you, you have found great success, and maybe you've, done, you've had 360 success, but others of you, you would say, you know, it's not like in the Old Testament where they had the ancient gods Baal and Moloch, where they sacrificed their children. But if you were going to be real honest, you'd say, you know what? I felt like uh, my gods have been money and success, and I've sacrificed my kids and my marriage a little bit along the way. And if you're in that place, uh, there's a time to, to redirect for you. There's a story, and I, I know I'm 
told it before a number of years ago. Uh, it's, it's been around for a while. Alfred Nobel, you probably know the story, uh, that Nobel Peace Prize, we've all heard of that, but he made his money by selling dynamite. And his brother, he's, he's in Sweden, and his brother died, and the newspaper put in the wrong obituary, at least as the story goes. Uh, and so instead of his brother's obituary, he'd read his own obituary. And uh, that, by the way, that would be creepy, wouldn't it? <laughs> and, and he's just like, I don't want this to be the epitaph of my life. And, and I can't change what came before this day, but I can change what comes tomorrow. And maybe for you, that's the point that God has you at in this moment. And here's the great news. You may have done well at work or not done well at work or maybe other areas, but God's work has been done perfectly on your behalf. And when Jesus came, he came to redeem every area of your life, but it all starts with that relationship with him, where you would say, God, I need you in my life, and I trust that your plan for me is a good plan. And for some of us, that's the thing you say, hey, I want to reconnect with that. As I look at some of the ways to win, I've, I've won on a couple of those, but others, I've just ignored God in the process. Or maybe you'd say, hey, I've just ignored God, period. And if that's you and you want to change that, you can even today. In fact, will you pray with me? God, uh, we love you and we come to you uh, understanding that, God, that you will, you will show up when we call. And God, uh, in fact, the Bible promises where two or three are gathered in your name that you're here. And so, God, I ask that you would be here with us as we come to you. God, as we celebrate the good work you've done in our life, but God, as we also bring to you our struggles of even this next season and the season we're in. God, I would pray especially for my friends who are here today and uh, maybe they haven't taken that step to say yes to you or are just unsure of where they're at. If that's you, I, I want you to, to pray this to God, not out loud or anything like that or have you come forward, but you just pray this to God. You'd say something like this in your own heart. God, I thank you for your inexhaustible love the love that never fails. God, I thank you that you created me and you love me, but God, also that you sent your son Jesus so I can have forgiveness. And it's not ignoring the past or covering over sin. It's that all is paid for. All is done because of what you've done for me. And I receive that today. God, I, I believe in you. I receive that forgiveness, and God, I want to follow you. God, I, I, I surrender my life to you, knowing that in surrender, I will gain so much more. And the scripture says, if we've invited Jesus into our life, that he will walk with us uh, all the days of our life, and, and for the next. That, in fact, the scripture says, Jesus said, I've gone to prepare a place for you. And that hope in heaven is real. But the hope now is real too. If you've prayed that prayer to say yes to Jesus, the Bible says that our decisions, although they are, uh, they are personal, that really they're not meant to be private, that we're to live our faith uh, not, not ashamed. 
And so here's, I'm going to give you a chance to uh, express that commitment. If you prayed that prayer to say yes to Jesus today, uh, that, that you would, with everyone's eyes closed and head bowed, that, that you would just simply look up at me. I'm going to look to my right and your left. But if you prayed that prayer and you want to indicate that step of faith, just let your eyes meet mine. I see you. Okay, anyone else over there? Okay. And in the center section too, you'd say, that's me. All right. All right. Way to go. Way to go. Way to go. And up in the balcony, you'd say, that's me. That's great. And over on my left. And really, that's great. It's great. So many of you making that decision. And the most important thing is that God sees you. And God sees your heart. God, I pray we'd be with my friends who are making that decision for the first time or the first time in a long time as they come to you. And God, that you'd be with us not only through uh, this series as we learn how to just include you in, in more of our life, but God, this day that we would honor you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.